Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. One of the most influential politicians in Canada and the province of Alberta's top oil and gas salesman wants more attention from President Joe Biden. This week, during a Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee hearing, Jason Kenney, Alberta's conservative premier, lobbied to strengthen America and Canada's energy relationship. His appearance in D.C. comes a month after he hosted Senator Joe Manchin in Alberta, where they visited two energy facilities and attended a roundtable on critical minerals led by the U.S. State Department. So today, I have an extended chat with Premier Kenny about the state of Canada and America's energy relationship. We talk oil and gas production, critical minerals, climate change, the Biden administration, and more. It's Thursday, May 19th. So, Premier Kenny, you're promoting Canadian oil as a way to help lower high energy prices. And you've been critical of President Biden for not doing more to boost imports from Alberta. You know, that does seem kind of difficult in practice, just given where we are with the developer of the canceled Keystone XL pipeline has said there's really no path back for that decision. So what do you kind of propose as a solution given energy security concerns in the U.S. You know, are immediate and building new pipelines, of course, takes time. It could take years and might not pay off right away. So what's kind of what's the solution you're thinking of? Yeah, first of all, a little context. Alberta is by far the largest source of U.S. oil imports. 62% of the oil imported into the United States last year came from Alberta and about 63% of your natural gas imports. So we are a critical part of the American economy and energy security. We'd like to sell you more. Obviously, the veto of KXL, Keystone XL, is a big barrier, but we have about 300,000 barrels of capacity available in the current pipeline system that I think will be filled with additional Alberta production this year. Secondly, once that's filled, our producers could then swing to more rail shipments of upwards of 200,000 additional barrels a day. Thirdly, midstream companies could pursue a series of optimization programs, line reversals, drag reduction agents, and technical solutions to increase Alberta shipments to the U.S. of upwards of 400,000 barrels a day. And then finally, by the first quarter of 2024, the construction of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion will be complete. That runs between Alberta and the Port of Vancouver. That will put out about nearly 600,000 barrels a day onto tankers that will largely be shipped down to refineries in Washington and California. So if you add all of those things up together in an optimal scenario, we could be providing upwards of 1.5 million barrels a day additionally. But what we really need is a signal that the United States wants to be there to help us, help them displace OPEC imports and increase supply. And you don't think that's happening? You know, I know the Biden administration has changed their rhetoric. They're saying we recognize this need for more production right now. Let me put it to you this way. I am the head of the government that owns the third largest oil reserves on Earth. And it is the largest exporter of oil to the United States. We supply five times more than OPEC, 10 times more than Saudi. Yet 
since the Russian oil embargo following the invasion of Ukraine, the White House administration have apparently been very focused on pressuring OPEC to produce and ship more, Saudi in particular, and to embargo on Iranian and Venezuelan oil exports. And yet I've never received a call. Has your staff? No, absolutely not. As I said to the Senator Manchin's Energy Committee, Calgary's a lot closer to Washington than Riyadh, and you don't need the Fifth Fleet to patrol the Great Lakes. The U.S. has spent perhaps trillions of dollars defending Persian Gulf security for energy security, even though Alberta is 10 times more important than Saudi for U.S. energy imports. I find it passing strange that all we got from the Biden administration was the retroactive cancellation of a pipeline in which the government of Alberta was a co-owner. We never even got so much as a phone call about that. And it just seems to be, let me be charitable and say, some confusion in the current administration about where the U.S. has its most reliable supply of energy. Yeah, and I'm hearing the case you're making for Canadian oil. And from my understanding, in talking with some of my colleagues and reading their coverage who are based in Canada here at Politico, they're saying that Alberta has ramped up its U.S. lobbying and advertising this year, promoting the oil and gas industry here in the U.S. But why do you think Alberta's message maybe isn't sticking so well? I mean, outside, of course, Republicans and, and Manchin, who you mentioned, who I know you, you know, visited you recently. But I don't know. I mean, do you feel like it's kind of registering? It, just, it doesn't seem that way. Let me just say, to be self-critical, that Alberta, Canada, and our energy industry, we, we've been too Canadian, by which I mean too passive, polite, and apologetic over the past 15 years of, in response to an effort by U.S.-based environmental NGOs to purposely landlock Canadian energy, and the veto of KXL was part of that, as is Governor Whitmer's effort to decommission the Line 5 that delivers 540,000 barrels a day of Alberta oil to the upper Midwest. So we really have to step up our advocacy and education efforts here. I doubt 1% of Americans know that Alberta produces or ships 10 times more oil to the U.S. than Saudi Arabia. So we really have to step it up. We're doing that with a large advertising campaign. And listen, I, I get it. KXL, Keystone XL is done and dusted. TC Energy, the proponent's not going to risk billions given the uncertainty around all of that. But the invasion of Ukraine is obviously a game changer in geopolitics and global energy markets. And we hope and believe that the administration will change their policy to address the new reality of energy scarcity, energy inflation, energy poverty, but also the realization that we cannot allow hostile dictatorships to destabilize global energy markets. Right. And one area we are seeing cooperation between this U.S. administration and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, they're talking about cooperating on critical minerals supply chains. That's something that I'm sure you you know heard bipartisan support for in your testimony before the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. So we know that Canada is a key supplier of more than a dozen critical minerals, key to developing a lot of the clean energy technologies. So what do you want to see from the U.S. side to strengthen that relationship? Well, we appreciate that the U.S. government has included Canadian rare earth minerals under Title III of the Defense Production Act. So removing any trade or legal barriers to our exports to the U.S., and and that's helpful. We have large, across Canada, including in my province of Alberta, large quantities of nickel, lithium, cobalt, copper, 
uranium. Potash is not generally considered a rare earth mineral, but a critical product with a world scarcity on fertilizer. So we can play a big role in helping to onshore in North America those rare earth products. And I'm glad to see that the Canadian federal government is working with the U.S. on that. So we're going to do our part. And I know the other provinces are keen to as well. Great. And so I know Canada is also in the final stages of developing a national strategy for climate change adaptation. The country's federal government this week actually released a discussion paper to kind of kick off consultations that will inform their strategy. Canada, of course, is warming two times faster than the global average. Threats from wildfires in particular seem to be growing. So I'm wondering, you know, as the premier of Alberta, does this concern you? And how is Alberta working to diversify its oil-based economy, if at all? There was a lot in that, the uh, preface there. Let me say diversification is has been happening in our economy for 30 plus years. Oil and gas, while we're actually producing more in volume and generating more revenue than ever in our history, this last December, 4.1 million barrels a day, oil and gas is a smaller share of our overall economy than it's been in decades because the other sectors are growing much more quickly. And right now we are leading Canada in economic growth. We're also going through a key pivot, I would say, a key inflection point in our economic development. Leveraging off of our rich hydrocarbon resources, we are about to see an explosion of investment in new low-emitting petrochemical and hydrogen projects to produce products with low or net zero emissions. So we get it. We understand that there will be, over time, diminishing demand for hydrocarbon energy, but there will still be very substantial demand. The International Energy Agency projects that by 2040, even in a Paris Climate Treaty compliant world, there will be about 68 million barrels a day consumed. We would prefer that Alberta, Canada, a rights-respecting liberal democracy with the highest environmental standards, will be a major supplier there at that time, rather than Putin's Russia, the Venezuelan dictatorship, Iran, or other OPEC dictatorships that weaponize oil wealth to spread violence around the world. For more news on energy and environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.